You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Before we get started, I wanted to show off my Harley figure for the oh, Super Smash Squad. If anyone knows what a BAF is, which is referred to as Build-A-Figure, what they do is that they put pieces in like four or five different boxes that has the other pieces for the characters. So in this case, I think it's four boxes to build King Shark. So the other boxes have other pieces for the King Shark. So if you buy four, technically you get a fifth uh, action figure, which I had to correct someone today. Huh? It is called an action figure and not a toy. Agreed. Collectible. If I take it out of the box, it's just an action figure. <laughs> 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 you know, one of the things that, and I'll kind of start off here real quick. Watching Suicide Squad versus The Suicide Squad, the two different versions, I'm kind of mixed because I have a nostalgia for the movie that came out in 2016, but I was excited for what's going to happen for this movie. And Harley Quinn has kind of been like the thread, oddly enough, for the DCEU of all things. So I'm kind of happy, if anything else, to see this character still be within that universe that still is the thing that... uh, as a DC fan, there's not much to be happy about in these days, other than there's some moments like we see, like the Harley Quinn animated show, which is fantastic on the DC. Back then it was DC Universe, and that was on HBO Max. But that's the only thing that I can take kind of positive out of this. I mean, there are things that I loved about the Suicide Squad, but in, in fairness, that's it. <laughs> oh, I gotta, my expectations for this movie went way down. After two viewings. So let's start off with your general uh, impressions and we'll go into a whole recap stuff because there are moments in there I want to talk about in the analysis. I want to see what your reactions were for uh, this movie. Here's the big epic turn of this graphic in which oh. the curtains pull back and then we see ta da, we're going to be talking about the Suicide Squad. Jennifer, let's start off with you. What were your initial Thoughts about the Suicide Squad or DC in general in relation to that and such? Well, I didn't expect the whole part of Team 1 to be eliminated. (laughs) Beginning of the movie, I thought, oh my God, that's just like the whole team. I was kind of like, what is, what am I watching here? And then the violence with the bird. So I was like, oh, these are odd characters, the weasel, all these new faces. I didn't know what to expect, honestly. It wasn't what I was expecting after I saw the first Suicide Squad. But, um, you know, it was different. And these are different times. (laughs) You go. I just took it. I did watch it from home. The first part was kind of like they just killed off everyone. I I didn't understand, but I just, you know, sat there and waited for the rest to play out. But it was, uh, it had a lot of outlandish things, you know, like new characters, all these things. Harley Quinn, again, is the thread that pulls it all together. But um, like it was mentioned, it's not a sequel. It's almost like a 
a new suicide squad, like a new thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird baby hybrid thing. So, Jared, what are your thoughts? So I think my disdain for DC as a whole is fairly well documented uh, in these programs. I actually, I went into it with a small, small amount of expectation mm. just because James Gunn was in charge and right. the, the few reviews that I had seen were hyping it as, oh, finally DC figured out how to compete with Marvel uh-huh. on like big budget movies. And then I watched it wow. and it, it's, it's a little hard for this because like some of the characters, like the thinker, when I see the thinker, I think of the character from the flash season four, the TV show, which was done extremely well. For TV. And then you have, <laughs> yeah, for TV. And then you have this version of the thinker that was just like not what the thinker is, in my opinion. It was like a really toned down, like almost wimpy version of what the thinker should be. And then the bad guy, if you will, I was just saying that I remember thinking, man the best thing you could come up with to try and compete with Marvel is a giant hive mind starfish from outer space. I mean, in like, fairness, it, the character has a little weight in the DC universe. I, I guess, but like I, the first thing I thought of was like, this reminds me of the like sci-fi original movies, like shark to puss. Right. The asylum just made, just made with way more money. Like the graphics and the special effects and everything are fantastic, but the whole like movie as a whole, I'm just like, yeah, this is Sharks of Puss just with way more money behind it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Patrick, what are your thoughts? Well, I agree with both. The one part that I mean, for what it is, the Suicide Squad is what it is. They take the B lister villains slash heroes whoever whatever who they're and then they go into a mission and then they're not designed to come back if they make it back great if they don't and so i think that's probably why james gunn created these or certain characters that were put in this movie to be collateral damage for the sake of what it is and that's what the suicide squad is it's not they're not there to be like oh let's bring them back and get to understand who they are no, they're supposed to die. They're fodder. They're like that Star Trek character from the original series that wears a red shirt that beams down and is supposed to die per episode. So this is what you had. And this it made sense just in a gory way, you know. And I actually like the way he did Starro. Because that's kind of hard to pull that off. And the way he pulled it off, I I mean, I like I, I go into all, even Marvel movies, I go in there with low to no expectation. Because when you get too hyped up, then you start looking for, like, the most perfect movie, and then you just leave. Even if there's, it's a good movie, and you just feel like, no, nah, it wasn't good enough. So I already went there with no expectation. And I actually enjoyed it, although it was disturbing. Mm. But ultimately, I enjoyed it. And it was just like, okay, it makes sense for who the characters are and who, and, you know, the purpose behind it. Now, certain characters, I was trying to understand why were they there, and I, I didn't understand why they killed off certain, like Boomerang. I was kind of surprised they killed him off. 
I would have liked because I actually liked him in the first one. And I thought they were going to still bring him back for more comedic purposes. But, you know. All right. Well, we'll definitely go through the whole movie, more or less, without the bloodiness, violence. So it is really tamed down. But the moments that we'll get there, we all know those moments. But since you mentioned Star Trek, today is Star Trek Day. So. Wow, it is. It's the the day, it was 55 years ago that Star Trek premiered. So, I'm surprised I didn't remember that. Hmm. Well, with all the current, I'll leave it that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, shut it, shut it. Fine, I'll leave it where it is for another time. But you brought up Star Trek. I thought I'd just make it known. Since That's we're, good to know. Thank literally, you. we're geeking out over anything. Hey, why not? Cool. All right. So I worked long and hard for this recap of the whole movie. As we, as fans know, comics for the Suicide Squad has been around for quite some time. And finally, in 2016, we get our first version of the Suicide Squad, which... A lot of people really did not like, especially the Joker. In fairness, the Joker, in my opinion, because of Zack Snyder's Justice League, the last couple of minutes at the end, was redeemed in my book. So I was happy that what, however we got to there, I was happy to see Jared Leto's Joker there. But overall, I was a big fan of Suicide Squad. I thought this felt more connected to the DCEU, because we get a cameo from Batman, we get a cameo from Flash, I'm like, blew my mind, and I was really happy about that. After that, you know, I'm gum home for like another one, which we finally get in 2021. Hmm. This movie, and as you said, James Gunn is in this. James Gunn did the Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1 and Volume 2. That's someone I'm like, yeah, if Marvel has him, DC should be like, yeah, let's wrangle him in. Why not? But then, like, the situation, like, what happened with Justice League, the original one, Joss Whedon came in, screwed that up. (laughs) That's a different conversation altogether. But I felt better now that I'm like, James Gunn, what can he do? He can can do no wrong. And we'll talk about my thoughts (laughs) of that as we go down the road. Anyone would like to talk about the old movie versus the new or any feelings about either one? Uh, well, I could tell you that Amanda Waller, she said true to herself. She is, you know, she's a monster. She just, you know, creates these teams and she's like, well, you know, I'm getting rid of them if they don't, they don't, you know, they don't do it. They're just disposable to her. And I like that her team will <laughs> wise mm-hmm. up in the last movie her team ended oh. up eliminated <laughs> and so i guess she trades true to character that was the only constant thing that i saw from suicide one part two everything else was just new uh new ground uh, you know very odd the shark uh, just everything polka dot man you know all those weird heroes and you know, there was no joker you know harley was like free of the Joker. So she was like this new liberated woman. And I like that uh, between her and the rat girl, they basically are the ones who were able to 
to end off Starro. Jared or Patrick? Um, so I actually didn't mind the first Suicide, Suicide Squad movie that much. I thought it was pretty entertaining, and I thought the storytelling with it was actually not terrible. I think the biggest problem that it had was marketing because almost everything I saw leading up to it was talking about the Joker being in it. And then he had like a cameo, if anything. And I think that upset a lot of people because they were expecting him to have a much larger role in the movie and he didn't. And, but overall I thought the characters were done really well. And yeah, Harley from movie one to movie two, there was a lot of character growth that, that they showed with her, but I think she's her and uh, Joel Kinnaman's character are probably the, the two characters that I think have the most staying power out, out of the, the two movies. And I could see them doing eventually maybe another Harley Quinn spinoff, but I don't know after birds of prey with that whole debacle. I like birds of prey. It, it was different. Definitely one of those like, no, I'm all in for this. Granted, it's not the same Black Canary in my head that I would vision from the comics or even from the TV show, but this is just their version of Black uh, Canary. I was fine with this. Or, or even Huntress is not that. You know, it looks more like a TV version of the Huntress, which, oddly enough, in Arrow, there was a TV version of the Huntress. So, yeah. <laughs> so. But in any case, I, I still had more fun with it for what it was going to do. I think one of the biggest problems that DC has is they're using a lot of the same characters that they've already established in the TV shows a little bit. And for whatever reason, the characters in the TV show, those versions are better than the versions in the movies, which I think is creating a problem for a lot of the fans where like, well, why does the low budget TV series have a better version of the thinker or the huntress than the big budget Hollywood blowout movie? Because someone has a plan. (laughs) That is true. I don't think it's working. Well, can I interject on this one now? Now I, I agree with fishy how the first suicide squad and, First of all, if you look at how the first Suicide Squad was, you can see how the characters, you can see the characters kind of associate with what's on the small screen. Whereas this one here, it's you're literally just starting fresh with these type of characters, even though some of them you probably won't get to know anyway. But the difference between the TV and the movie aspect for DC is the fact that they have time to develop these characters. Whereas here in the movie, you with that that hour to two hour time frame is what you got to know the character, and if the character survives, then maybe for the next sequel. But in reality, if you not to go on the whole Marvel DC thing, but I think the way James Gunn handled the Suicide Squad now, he showed it. He actually showed it the way it's supposed to be. You know, it's like, and like I said, what surprised me. Like I said, they got rid of Boomerang, and Boomerang has been around for a long time, and that was like, he's actually one of the main staples of the Super Suicide Squad in the, in the comic books, and he's still alive. Well, he was dead at one point, and then he came back. And, uh, but that's another long story. But 
when I saw how he was gone, I was like, oh, this is serious. So knowing James Gunn, you don't know who's going to survive when you first watch the movie. Right. So in, in, in some ways, it's subverting expectations, right? Exactly. So it's, it's one of those, like, I was even taken quite a bag from the opening. So right off the bat, as we started with the movie with Michael Rooker as Savant, and he has that ball in prison, and he's bouncing around the ball and catches it. And then that bird comes in, and I'm like, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> and you see it coming. Me. You see it coming. So it's it for me as an animal lover. Granted, it's CG. I get it, but it's one of those that I'm like the second time around. I'm like, fine, I get it. This is a bad guy. He has very little belly for life. So what you do, you show it. You don't tell me that he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You demonstrate that perfectly. So for doing that, for me not being on board for this character, fine. You got me on that. Because he's a villain. That's what villains do, you know. But he gets drafted, so to speak, into the Suicide Squad. And oddly enough, this guy here, John Ostrander, is one of the writers for the Suicide Squad comic books. (laughs) He's the one that gets to inject the back of Savant's neck, the microchip. So I'm like, that's kind of nice. So from there, we get our, supposedly, the Suicide Squad. <laughs> so we get our TDK. Yeah, that was the... Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was... I love Nathan a lot. And him playing this character, that I'm like, that's his superpower? It's really yeah. ridiculous. But it it fits with him. Oh, yeah, it really it does. Totally <laughs> does. <laughs> and I I, I yeah. love that he doesn't care how small the role is. Just give me that. That's yeah. out. We have Pete Davidson. Unfortunately, as a black guard. <laughs> does anyone know if he's in the comic book? Because I don't. I've never he, heard. Of him. Yeah, I didn't even. I didn't even bother looking him up at this point. I just figured, you know what? Yeah, it's just... Yeah. I didn't even bother. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, uh, I wish they kept him alive. Which, you know, again, no, kind of happy that he's coming back. Not that he's leaving that quick. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Gunn, who played Diesel. Yeah, that was another interesting thing. We also have Mailing, I can't pronounce her name, is it Eng? Mon Gal. Is she kind of related like to Starfire's race? That's what I was thinking is that was the case, but she didn't exhibit any of the. You would think. So, like, I, okay. Yeah. Uh, Flula Borg, who played Javelin, who was a comedian. Again, I don't never heard of that character. Margot Robbie's back as Harley Quinn. And Joel Kinnaman as Colonel Rick Flag. That's our Suicide Squad. So they yeah. go on the mission. Starts off with Weasel dying. I'm like, did no one check to see if he could swim? No, apparently <laughs> not. So Savan brings him in, checks, got no pulse. And that's when everything starts going down to hell. Mm. So Holly Quinn starts blowing stuff up. 
And in between that, a lot of horrible things happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to show anything about that. We all know what has happened. But start off with Pete Davidson, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Black guard. What happened to yeah. his face? Oh. Yeah, I think that was the most gruesome. Well, no, there was more. No, there was. There was. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's the start of many bad things. <laughs> <laughs> so really, the only two people that kind of survived of this is Rick and Harley. So mm-hmm. what a surprise. <laughs> but then we get the other surprise. Who is this group that also lands on Malto occultis? The actual Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, wow. Even I didn't see that coming. Because I'm like, you're not going to kill Harley. You're not going to kill Rick. So they're safe. Which goes back to the question. It's like, did he know that he was being set up? That he wasn't the real original team? That's what I'm saying. Amanda Waller is just true to herself. I mean, she is relentless. I mean, that's her right-hand man out in the field. I think they addressed that in the movie at one point. And he he didn't know. Right. Cause they, they both say, they both tell Waller, how could you not tell me there was another team on the Island? Right. Mm-hmm. So that in itself, I'm like, I'm out. I would have been out. If that's how you're going to do me wrong. When I'm been like believing in your, your mission statement, so to speak, you know, having the suicide squad, that's really cold, you know, to put someone out like that. So we do get to see our true now suicide squad. We have Bloodshot, sorry, Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. Bloodshot, Bloodshort, Deathstroke. Yeah. That was the 90s. <laughs> There's only one Bloodsport. Uh, <laughs> what about the uh, uh, Van Damme? Blood yeah. Sport? Okay, yeah. that's what I'm making sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the only Bloodsport that matters. <laughs> uh, we get Book of That Man, uh, David. That's Mal Chin, who was also in Ant-Man and the Wasp and the first Ant-Man movie. And he was also in a DC movie. He played uh, Abracadabra in The Flash. Oh. I just saw the last season, well, currently. He's in there, or he's back as a, that character. So yeah. he's been there a couple of times before. So We also have King Shark, played by Sylvester Stallone. Daniela Melkor as Ratcatcher 2. One, two, and John Cena as Peacemaker. So, as we move on, they're told to eliminate this group by by Waller. Hmm. And at first, I'm kind of like, I it's kind of funny because they're doing the whole macho kill everyone they see, but there's like there's women also, and they're being like picked off easily and horribly, hmm. and then. They found out that Rick Flag got captured. It's like, no, 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 these are the good guys. And I'm like, you made us kill everyone. And I'm like, there's no consequences. So again, watching it a second time, Amanda Waller is the one to blame. Mm-hmm. Not these guys. They were following orders. Which the the board of Warner Brothers, as they were watching this movie, also had a problem with that scene too. So James Gunn also had to explain... No, no, no. Amanda Waller told him to do that with extreme prejudice. 
So don't blame them. Because again, it seems harsh. Mm-hmm. Like King Shark, I don't mind if he's hungry. He's eating a bad guy. And so you find out, no, he's not. <laughs> he did a good job with him. Yeah. One of the things also is with Polka Dot Man, that he does kind of envision his mother at times. So it was weird to see this thing happen where he's envisioning the whole team as his mother. But it comes up two more times about this, and I'm like, it's weird. But then his story about how he got the powers is because his mom gave him this virus, and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of messed up. And then you kind of it kind of grows on you because if he doesn't expel those horrible lumps out, I guess that buildup kills him. Mm-hmm. And then we get Peter Capaldi as the thinker, which you know, if you know the actor. And you know how his mannerism is and how he's great giving explicitive dialogue. He's great. But here, I just thought, this is probably the weakest character. And it's just there for, like... A paycheck. Um, I won't say a paycheck. Yeah, because he's getting paid by the U.S. Yeah. to basically run experiments. I thought you meant that the actor was getting a paycheck. Oh, no. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. Man. <laughs> But, you know, and at this point, he's with whatever government's in charge. That I'm like, oh, whatever. He's floating he's got his by. Own yeah. Floating by life. And again, you don't have to, like, explain everything. But it's like, what's with the getup with all this thing here? And just like, that's how he is. Again, you don't have time to explain this. Mm-hmm. In, in the thinker, correct uh, me if I'm wrong, Jared, we see an origin story, right? In, in the Flash, yeah, they, you see a brief origin story of how he kind of became how he is. But you also, because TV, you have more time. There's much more time spent with the character development. But they do give you the origin story, whereas here, they're just like, oh, yeah, he has those things in his head to help him think better. Yeah. They, there's a When they're transporting him, one of the soldiers makes a comment about it, and that's all they all they give you yeah it's weird to me they took experimented on him too no he did that to himself well that's that's why they took somebody that in my opinion is actually a really good dc villain and almost turned him into like a a side character that's super disposable and that isn't it it didn't do any justice or truth to who that character actually is Mm -hmm. i agree meanwhile harley Again, kind of zipping through these moments here, you know, this is probably one of the times I felt kind of like, did we not learn anything from past relationships for Harley uh, with the Joker? Any other, the, the mask guy, you know, any kind of relationship with a male counterpart, it always kind of ends wrong. But she just kind of falls in kind of willy-nilly because she is kind of enamored with this guy for his abilities. And kind of falls in love with him. But then there's a point in which she says, you know, there, there are certain things I can put up with, but killing children, that's the line that she has to draw. And she has that gun and then she shoots him and then she gets captured. What are your thoughts about Harley up to this point? Uh, well, the one thing I see is it's like they're making up for Birds of Prey for some strange reason. It's like they kind of, it's like, they were taking where they left off. Yeah. 
from that movie and he just interject that into this one because i mean the whole the, first of all the guy just gets gunned down like i thought he was going to be some, some major dude and all of a sudden he just gets gunned down like right okay on to the next person I was like, right. oh, wow. so it's suicide for anybody it's like everybody's fair game in this movie so i don't know i just it was okay but it's just i think they just want i guess maybe that was under contract like we'll just do more harley stuff in there well, I don't know, because in Suicide 1, she also was envisioning, like, having children and stuff like that. I think that that's something that is in her, that maternal angst, and even though she seems, you know, wild and, you know, just insane, she was enamored by him. But when he started saying that, that was it. She was like, uh-uh, warning signs, red flags. Yeah. But in, in fairness, I think that's one of the moments that I loved about the 2016 movie is that when she has those dreams, it was like this perfect normal marriage. Jared Leto was normal looking and they had a family and it was just heartbreaking to know that that's a thing that she's always dreamed of, but yet she's, even though she is breaking apart from that, she still have yet to get to that point. And here's another thing that comes along and she kind of stops it from repeating, but she also allowed herself to be into that position too. In the camp before, they get information about the thinker. So along the way that on this trip, we get to see Ratcatcher 2's past history, in which her dad, unfortunately, does overdose. But he has this special ability with the rat, with the wand. I wasn't sure if he created that technology. Does anyone remember I was able to control the rats? Yeah, I think he, he created it. And that's one of the things she talks about, is that he used to be like a super well-respected scientist yeah. until he created this and started working with rats. And then he was like mocked and ostracized by his peers. And that's why they ended up in the situation they were in. Okay. So, you know, again, it's an interesting move. Uh, Taka Watiti does a cameo in here. Mm-hmm. He was going to be playing a different role altogether. But at the, the first time that this role was being offered, he was off trying to do Akira and yeah. couldn't do this movie at all. Then Akira fell out and then he reached out to James Gunn. It's like, look, I know it's late, but you have anything? And it's like, well, he put him into that role for uh, uh, the first ride catcher. So, but I do like in this moment that, you know, as she is, we're finding her story, you know, there's a connection between her and Bloodsport. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'll protect you, you protect me. Not to say there's honor among thieves, but it, I never felt like they're bad people, especially for Ratcatcher 2. You know, she just uses the rat to kind of make sure that she has her needs met. I love her way with jewelry and getting money and so on. So, you know, it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, so to get to the club that the thinker likes to hang out. And again, Polka Dot Man starts thinking about dancing with his mom. <laughs> Which is even weirder. Yeah. I mean, oh my god. Oh uh, yeah. Very disturbing. So again, I understand that this is a thing that it plagues him, but I, I was like, I'm not sure how I'm going to take that one. I, I don't know that we needed the visualization of it. Agreed. But it's there, so. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the thinker then is going to be taken away to the back because the Americans are being made out. So Bloodshot and Peacemaker 
run interference with the army that was looking for them. And then, of course, something happens when they, after they get arrested, they were to break out and they come out. It's like, you know, let's go to do our operation Jotunheim. And then Rick says, no, it's Operation Harley. So off they go to go rescue Harley. And Peacemaker is like, I don't get why you're going after this freak. You know, she's not, she's nothing. But, you know, there is a connection between her and Rick. But all along, you know, as she's getting hit and, and tortured, you know, she breaks out. And she has probably one of my favorite moments that colorfully, I'm like, that's how she sees the world. When she's in that killing spree moment, that is brilliant. That's what I want to see more of. Not so much like I want to see like killing be enjoyable or fun, but at least here, it kind of takes the sting out. Like if you're watching Kill Bill and where she goes after the crazy 60... Crazy 88s, I think. Crazy 88s. It goes from color to black and white to lessen the saturation of blood. That makes sense because that's how she deals with that in her mind when she's slaughtering everybody and then she blinks and then is back after that action. So in this case, in Harley has that visualization of the flowers and colorful metaphor. It's fantastic. That's what I want to see more of. They could do more with everyone. But so again, that's again why I love this character for that reason. Just with that one shot, I'm happy with that. And then of course, no no, she's there. It's like, what are you guys doing? It's like, oh we came to rescue you. It's like, oh we're here to rescue you. <laughs> I'm like, I get that, but I'm like, why would Bloodsport need to have a stupid helmet to climb up? I'll never know. I mean, if it's going to be covering his face, fine, I guess. But so back to since they have the thinker, they're going to start interrogating him, threatening him. Then they go onto the mission, they go onto Jonheim. And then once we get there, they're planning to blow it up. And then we get this little moment. But the teams are separated. We get the dirty little secrets in which we find out. Again, I'm not showing a whole lot here because that whole scene was just too much. But the the operation that they were doing on Starro was carried out not on behalf of cult, multi cult, cultists, but the American government to use Starro in different manners. And then peacemakers there to make sure it gets buried, so to speak. Again, I find that kind of like, okay, I get that he was also on a secret mission because that would make sense for a suicide squad. Never trust anything that you have to go on. But now twice, Rick is being set up. First for that first team and now from this setup here, I'm like, I'm done, Waller. Well, that's what created most of the tension between the peacemaker and the other guys because he had another agenda. It just wasn't it didn't come up till then. So right. they're like, no, you know, they're not getting away with this. This this is it. This is atrocious what's happening here. And he's like, no, you know, that's not getting out. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to make sure this goes away. So from there, we get this eight minutes earlier. Because I'm not going to show the fight they had or how <laughs> Rick gets killed, which is way too graphic. For my even my own taste to see Rick get impaled the way he did, yeah. I mean, I I'm all for you take a, a, a kitchen sink or whatever, and you beat them down, whatever. I get that, but to see someone get that and then go a step further, that's really. But the eight minutes earlier, we get 
the whole moment with Milton being killed, who was another of the rebels who are going along on the ride, so to speak. And Polka Dot Man is the only one who remembers that he got killed. And then everyone's playing dumb, which is kind of weird. Like, who's this Milton guy? <laughs> they don't care. But again, these are not likable people. So their value of life, in my opinion, is like, they don't care. As Polka Dot Man is kind of like seeking revenge, he accidentally causes an explosion because of the explosive that they were trying to plant everywhere, but his polka dots just came a little too close and started this cascade effect. And I don't I could not find anything screen cap wise, but the moment is is that blood sport kept going down floor by floor <laughs> until the moment that he saw that Peacemaker was going to kill Ratcatcher 2. But then that's when he comes down at the very last moment. And that's when we have this kind of like shoot off because they did kind of mention that his bullets are small enough to go into another bullet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, until we actually see this moment in which the smaller bullet penetrates. And I'm like, all right, I'll give you that. <laughs> that's a cool moment. That was a cool moment. Yeah. yeah. And wait, there's more. Because now Starro is now open. <laughs> now we have Starro or Suicide Squad versus Starro, which I'm kind of like, I'm okay with their story, their their backstory, how they, this was found in space and the astronauts were brought back. I felt bad, but in the same token, you know, Starro is Starro, you know, it's not also a good guy. So this point here, my own little video clip. So we get this moment here in which the, the Suicide Squad is fighting. Luxport tells King Shark, nom nom, for Starro. And then we get Polka Dot Man once again looking at his mom. <laughs> it's like, that's it. That's our moment. And he does the job, you know, he, he starts hurting Starro. And it's great because, you know, he gets that moment. It's like, I'm a superhero. And then, boom. Of course. That was- <laughs> you kind of ex- expected it. Something was about to happen. Right. And and then as I was reading, it's like, you know, he wanted to kill off two characters, one of them being Ratcatcher 2. And he said, I couldn't do it because people just liked too much. So I'm like, oh, right. there goes Polka Dot Man. <laughs> so she came very close. They couldn't offer because people liked her. Polka Dot Man, I'm like, I like Polka Dot Man after a while. Weird thing with the mom, but it's okay. okay. He grows on you. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get King Shark being kind of flown off because I'm like, get off me. But then Ratcatcher 2 comes in, saves the day by harnessing the, the very technology her dad created. Literally gets like Ben and all his friends to come and attack Starro. Which is fantastic, but I'm also like, Bloodsport is just not having it because of his backstory with the rat. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and she's covering him up, trying to protect him, but you know, it's fine. Harley has the javelin, which I forgot to mention in the very beginning. Uh-huh. Javelin all gives her the staff or whatever, and he dies. So she's that's her choice of weapon this time. Uh, so when she is given the chance, she starts going towards Starro. And she dives into the eye with spear. Yeah, and I'm like that's very cringe. Yeah, 
And then the rats come in too into the audience and start gnawing on the optics that I'm like, sure. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, poor Starro gets really red eye, one eye. <laughs> no visine in the world can help fix that pattern. Blood vessels popping out. Uh, you know, you feel bad because it's like, you know, after he, he gets killed, it's like, you know, I was at peace in the stars. I was looking at the stars. I was like, yeah, well. It's like he became the victim at that one moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, Amanda Waller gets bribed by Bloodsport about releasing this document to the world about what was Starro doing by the American government. So they won their freedom, so to speak, and then off they go and they're... Well, we also forgot like a really important moment that Waller wanted to like get rid of them all when she noticed that they had that flash drive. So she was yeah. going to eliminate them. All at that moment, and her staff wised up and, and you know hit her over the head with something. Right, and that was the other thing too is that something like that after the the fact, Amanda Waller would never allow that to go without punishment. Exactly, that's what threw me off because in the first movie, I mean they were innocent; they were doing what she was supposed to do, and she just gunned down the staff. Right. Like, no apparent reason. And then this one, she's like, they seem too much. okay, they hit me over the head and okay, all right. Mm-hmm. I thought this was, I thought it was weird. So someone had mentioned that she, while she was doing this practice putt, that when she actually was went to that senator or whatever, that she would have had her team killed. That would have made sense. Mm. But that never happened. But that was the one thing I'm like, really? Of all the things you are not going to do. You're not going to go against your team, which you already have, like you said, Patrick, in the past. Mm. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed with that because Waller was, you know, pretty much uh, a badass all the way through. And this is just like, really? Of all the things you're not going to let happen, you're going to mute her at the end. I guess they're harder. I guess those workers are harder to find or that stuff harder to find compared to the suicide. You got a whole prison full of potentials that staff is probably unique, so it's like, yeah, I'll let them go this time. No, but that that's not Amanda Waller. Like, that's true. She's uh, I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking about a character that decided Gotham still needed Batman, so basically creates a half-clone of Bruce Wayne, and then to get the psychological aspect of it, goes and murders that person's parents in front of them, the same way Bruce's parents could have killed. Yeah. Just to try and create a new Batman. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know how um, the weasel just got away like that. I don't understand how they they didn't know more on the weasel. Like, what are his abilities? What, you know, what is this thing? Other than murdering children. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I feel like the weasel was only there because James Gunn wanted to mess with his little brother <laughs> and say, look, I gave you Guardians of the Galaxy. You're going to do whatever I tell you for the rest of your life now. Oh, God. And I'm your older brother because I said so was used multiple times in conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's how we ended up with weasel. Yeah. So that's that's one of our post credit scenes, and then we get the second one, in which 
Peacemaker is a lie. That that scene probably angered me the most. Yeah. I mean, I knew the series, I knew the series was coming. I must have missed that. At the very the end. Oh, I missed it. I didn't yeah. Okay. So I knew there was a Peacemaker series coming out. Yeah, because they've been highlighting him, you know, Cena a lot. So I figured when I saw him get killed like that, I'm like, oh, it's, they're not going to do it. But I didn't see this ending portion. So so okay. all of us saw Captain America, well, Falcon and Winter Soldier, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's my question. John Walker. As Captain America does some bad things and becomes U.S. agent, Peacemaker is in jail, but he is fighting for good, but he's willing to kill for that. I don't believe, I, I don't think they're, they're, they're supposed to be the exact same character, but I think one was done better to have some kind of understanding. But here with Peacemaker, we don't have enough time to do that. Because I don't understand why he's in jail if he's killing for good. Am I missing something? Because it's it's not just that he's killing for good. His philosophy is he wants peace in the world and he's willing to kill whoever he has to to achieve that, regardless of it being like a child, man, woman. Mm-hmm. So, quote unquote, good person, bad person. He doesn't distinguish that. He just says... I want peace. You're in the. I think you're in the way of that peace, so I'm going to kill you. Right. It makes sense why Amanda would want him and to keep him around because he fits. He's basically the executioner for her, for her orders. Yeah. He's not going to turn. He's not going to turn on her compared to, you know, Flag would have. She's already dealt with him before, so she knew that he would carry out no matter what, as long as it's supposed to help with peace. He'll do it without even a flinch. So I, I guess my problem is like, okay, you can have someone like the Punisher who's killing bad guys, and you're okay with that. But with here, I didn't understand, like, why was he in jail to begin with? I can understand everyone else, including Bloodsport, who supposedly shot a, a kryptonite bullet into Superman. But with him, I didn't understand his backstory, whereas John Walker is also the same way because he wants to do good and he's making his own way and then there was that moment where his face got turned around because it's like he got his butt kicked by Dormilaji and then he wound up taking the pill to enhance his abilities and becomes this different person but you know that he's now a bad guy, he's a US agent but with here, I didn't feel that goodness in him despite the fact he's willing to kill so i don't know if it was just this part just my perception about these two similar characters but i don't know I, I think part of it is they just it's like you said they didn't have enough time to go into a lot of background on peacemaker and i think they were intentionally trying to keep some of the details kind of in the dark about him right just because they knew they had the series coming out at some point that they're going to use to establish the character more. Right. Um, but they also wanted that, like, I'll say surprise or shock factor towards the end of the movie where you find out that he's on a separate side mission working for, for Amanda Waller and that he'll kill anybody on the team to make sure it happens. Right. Whereas if they went into his backstory beforehand, 
you would be like, oh yeah, I saw that. Like I could see that for him. I, I'm not shocked or surprised by that. Yeah. Cause I, I guess in my head, I'm thinking that he's more like a Rick flag on that team. Like he, he is I, just one of Amanda Waller's hired hand. Yeah. You know, I think that's what they wanted you to feel and think until that shift where he fights Rick flag and kind of turns on everybody. All right. So just to promote our stuff on Hoopla. I hats off to me for that Suicide Squad album. It is it's very pop centric, but I love the whole soundtrack. It is fantastic. It is a lot of fun just to listen to that. This one, I mean, James Gunn loves playing music in his movies, and I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume one is one of my favorite soundtracks. High up there. Second one was okay, but this one is it has its moments. But in any case, it's available on Hoopla. And of course, tons and tons and tons of comics in our collection as well as on Hoopla. So there's enough to, to satisfy everyone. And like even the, the Suicide Squad has like a case file for each of these different characters. So if you want to know more, I guess that's available too. Yeah, and some Easter eggs of Mantis of Guardians of the Galaxy was in the club. She was a singer. Yes, Mantis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, why is lingering on that one character, that one woman? I'm like, oh, I know who she is. Yeah. And then also, supposedly, the rabbit that um, Flynn has in his shirt is like supposed to be representative of Bugs Bunny and Warner Brothers and Gunner's issue with the movie that they basically, you know, took him out. And that's kind of like his revenge. <laughs> The one thing I would say about the, the character, uh, her name is Palm Clementine. Thank you. Her playing Mantis, she's a lot more attractive as Mantis than she is in real life. <laughs> I don't know wow. if it's because of the black guys and the antenna. Wow. But I just find, I'm sorry. It's just probably the dark hair. That's probably what it is. Yeah. It's the dark hair. <laughs> that guy. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. All right. So, um, any final thoughts? I'm glad we got through all this. <laughs> well, and I also, again, I really like that it ended with um, Harley and basically uh, Ratcatcher 2, who brought down Starro because it shows, you know, that there's strength in women. And that's a big point. It, it, you know, none of the others were able to do it, but they, they themselves got it done. I mean, literally, it's like the one two punch. But, um, Anything else? No, it's pretty much what it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm sad to say that even watching it twice, I still didn't like this. This is not the kind of movie that I'm like, I want to buy this from my DVD collection. Yeah, it just... A lot I'm of saying violence. This, I'm saying this as yeah. a DC fan that supports as much as I can. <laughs> I, I cannot, in good conscience, buy this. Yeah, it's it's a it's like a one or two time watching, and that's it. And usually for me, a movie that lasts is like if I can sit down and watch it, it can come on TV and I can still watch it. Like for example, The Winter Soldier. Yeah, every time they play that, I I'll watch it. It just it has that staying power. This didn't really have the staying power. Yep. It has a shock value, and once the shock value wears off, it's like okay. I mean, it's still a good movie. It's just. It just didn't want. It's it's not rewatchable for me. Like once I've seen it, 
see what they can do, how it's set up. Okay, I'm good. I mean, if, if there was going to be a ranking of DC movies for 2021, Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, the four-hour version, hands down, I will watch that both in mm-hmm. color and in black and white because it is that good. <sighs> this one, not so much. <laughs> not even by a mile. It is the <laughs> If you're willing to spend that much time on the Justice League movie, Monty, I think you have too much time on your hands. You know what? It's quality <laughs> time. It goes, like four hours. It, it goes by a lot quicker than you it think. Does. You get oh, no, it. I watched it. It did not go by that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, um, going off topic, if any of you have watched Cruella yet, it is such an amazing movie. Oh my god, if you haven't watched it, watch it. It is so great. At least within the month, we'll be talking about it. Yes. Everybody's been telling me, but I don't know. It's amazing. You need to watch it. I mean, it's just really good. It's it's on my list. It's really good. It's worth the time. It really is. I'm gonna watch it. It's just that it's not like my priority, but everybody so far, even my friend who saw it you'll be surprised you'll be pleasantly surprised it was really well done we'll we'll have that conversation jennifer because i haven't watched it yet yeah i will hold you to your word you will you'll remember me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it's only because i've been hearing some good things about it so i'll uh, otherwise if there was no good reviews i would not have watched it right i mean it, it felt and had that this kind of Joker vibe. No, it's better. better. I'm sure it's better, but it, it kind of like no, it won me on that point because I'm like, I get it. It's the origin story of this villain. I'm like, if Melissa Finn can work, the first one was fantastic to yeah. tell that kind of story and tell an origin story for a bad guy. I can see more of villains being told in a similar. Oh no, way. Disney's going to do it. They found a niche and they're doing it. That's yeah, why they do exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, except for a hook. Cool. Hook has already been done, so you don't need to do hook again. Oh, hook is perfect it. and doesn't need to be touched. No. <laughs> hook is not Oh, it is, but it's a very like that <laughs> that's one of those movies from my childhood that I'm like, I recognize it's completely terrible, <laughs> but I it's know. terrible in the most perfect way possible and should not be touched. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, so next week, which I will not be here, but Jared is going to carry the torch, so to speak, and as well as Osmar, Masters of the Universe. It's only with an asterisk because it's only five episodes. We're supposed to have had the other half by now, from what I read, and that never happened. Um, They announced the release date for the second half. I think it's actually at the end of the month. Okay. I, I think. Because there was a series, a new movie, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, computer generated, that was coming out in September. That's not it, is it? That maybe. I just, I remember seeing something about Masters of the Universe at the end of September on one of the Netflix lists that I was looking at. I'm having a feeling it uh-huh. might be that. So, it, it may be. I didn't know they were doing a another like CGI movie. Oh my God. It is... Terrible. Oh, <laughs> okay. The trailer is terrible. <laughs> I mean, if people were upset about Masters of the Universe because of what they had, 
that is just like no don't do really? that <laughs> I mean okay. what, visually it doesn't look good at all or just the story or just both everything wow. the concept of what they look like the characters of themselves the whole CGI thing just doesn't work whatever we'll, we'll cross yeah, that bridge right. when we get there I'm, I'm gonna have to go watch this trailer now <laughs> yeah and I'm curious myself Okay, um, and then 22nd, even though there are 18 episodes, I'm going to have to like zoom through all of them and review this with Valerie because there's no way I can do this like beat by beat. So it's going to be a lot because normally I'm breaking it. down these episodes in chunks, but with Bad Batch, I'm just going to have to do just highlights and lowlights and just leave it at that. It's just too much. Hmm. Uh, but when we get to other things like uh, Stranger Things, I'm splitting that. Attack on Titans, I'm going to split that. Just mm-hmm. because there's so much stuff to kind of go into. It's just, it's not fair to just I not agree. do yeah. it up. So. I agree. All right. Mm-hmm. So look at that effect. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So thanks, guys. As always, we're coming to today's Geek Out. And uh, like I've done before, I'm going to record this. Well, I have recorded this. I'm going to put this online for us to listen to and watch, and hopefully things will get further along for us to do more uh, fancier productions. Because I really want to start delving into OBS <clears throat> and put in better graphics for us, more interactions, just kind of make it look more high-end production and get a stronger crowd to be part of it. Because <laughs> I'm sure everyone by now is like, I don't want to do another Zoom. So. <laughs> All right. I think if we get back to doing in-person programming, this would be a good hybrid program. Yeah, and that's do. still going to happen. Yeah, that still happens. Yeah, regardless. Yeah. So. Oh, that's cool. All right. Thanks, guys. This has been fantastic, as always. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Thank you. Take care, Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. Star Trek is a vision. Great storytelling. My favorite TV show of all time. I really love it and it's so much fun. Join our crew aboard Earth Station Trek for your regular podcast escape into the Trekverse. Make it so. Let's see what's out there. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought we all agreed to say make it so. No, let's go, it's fun. But make it so is iconic. It's classic. It's too iconic. So we're all going to do make it so? No. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.